This morning, we're going to begin that new series for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about what it means to be made new and how Easter changes everything. I'm excited about this series, and I'm glad that you're going to get it kicked off with us this morning. Easter changes everything, and what, it, uh, what does that mean to be made new? I hope you were with us Friday night for our first Good Friday service. It was a special evening. We started that evening with the arrest of Jesus when, uh, when the soldiers came and took him away. And we walked through the story together. And we ended with Christ in the tomb. David Truett sang, Were You There? A cappella. And ahead of time, before the service started, we carefully chose which verses he was going to sing. And he intentionally left Jesus in the tomb. Friday night, that's where Jesus was. He died on Friday, buried Friday evening. Sometime before sunrise on Sunday, everything changed. The one who had died was alive. The one who had been buried had risen. The tomb that was occupied was empty. Everything changed. That same resurrection power is still at work. We don't, we don't see it in the same way, but we experience that power when we trust in Christ. Because what happens is the same power that makes all things new changes us when we really trust in Christ. When we give our lives to Him, we become His disciple. We become a child of God. God changes us spiritually. Something happens on the inside. We go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. He creates a new creature from within. And that's exciting news. And that is all possible because of Easter because of the resurrection. We're going to take the next few weeks to celebrate that together. We're going to talk about how, cha how Easter changes everything. And to get that started this morning, we're going to start in the cemetery. The cemetery, a place of death. But the women showed up on that Sunday morning to take care of a dead body Instead, they found an empty tomb and an angel who was very much alive. Look with me in Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 1, as we think together about what it means to be new in Christ. We're in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin at verse 1. This is the, a familiar story, the story that takes place in the cemetery the women showed up to take care of his body, and wow, what they found changed their lives and the world. By the way, we have, uh, I have set up this morning's uh, service and this message in the Bible app. If you like the, to use the Bible app, if you'll go to the menu and find events, when you click on events, it'll say, it looks like you're at FBC West. Is that the one you want to follow? You say yes. And you can follow through our message this morning. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. 
Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. When there, and there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, we, we're not quite sure of that phrase. It, it says they became like dead men. Uh, some believe, as I do, that what that means is when they saw what had happened, the earth, there was an earthquake, the tomb is moved, there's an angel sitting on the tomb, it scares them so badly that they just passed out. I think they fainted. When you see someone who has fainted on the ground, they are as a dead person, as far as you can tell. So I think what happened was when they, when they saw and heard everything that had just happened, they just, it, they just passed out. Others believe that they had not really passed out, but they were pretending to be dead people so the angel wouldn't get them. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I buy that one. But here is, here is an amazing scene. In this place of death, there's an earthquake that says God is at work, God is doing something, and this angel of the Lord comes down from heaven. An angel is a messenger, a representative so God sends his special messenger down from heaven and this angel rolled back the stone and sat on it. The, uh, the, the tomb would have been uh, set up in such a way that I, I, I called it a cave with the kids so they could better understand it. That's probably a pretty good way to see it. It's a hole in the side of the hill. The hill would have been made out of rock and they just cut out a hole out of the rock. And that's why, uh, that's why only a rich person could have something like that, because it would have taken a whole lot of work. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man, and that hole in the side of the hill had been prepared for him. But when he saw, he saw what Jesus had done on the cross, he said, you know what, this is not right. Can I have his body? Can I wrap it up and take care of it? I want to put it in my tomb, the place prepared for a rich man. So they took his body, wrapped it up, put it in that tomb. When they put it in the tomb, in this, this hole hewn in the side of the rock, when they put it in the tomb, they moved, they moved a big boulder over in front. Now, in order for that to work, they would have... Uh, moved that boulder kind of downhill. They would have dug out the, the ground a little bit so that there's a, uh, a downhill slope and then it settles right in front of the hole. It's easier to move the, the stone down into place and then it'll stay put. Be very difficult for anyone to roll that big boulder, that big stone uphill to open the place back up. So part of the amazing story here is that according to Matthew, there was 
one angel from God who descended from heaven. And that one angel moved the big stone. And then he sat on it. I love that detail. I'm not sure why I love that detail. It's just awesome to me. It's kind of like the angel says, now nah, look what I've done. You know? <laughs> I, just, I don't know. This angel sits on this, this, this massive rock as a way of saying God's power will not be held back by a stone. And obviously, the men who were in charge of making sure no one messed with the stone Surely, obviously, they're going to be quaking in their boots. They are scared to death, or at least scared to faint. And they're out. Verse 5, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Now, did you... it kind of it changed real fast there. We were talking about, about the, the soldiers, the big, rough, brave men, probably in some kind of armor, and they're passed out on the ground. But the angel and the women are just having a conversation. I just love that fact that the angel says to the women, don't be afraid. He didn't say anything to those guys. They need to be afraid. They need to be afraid because they have, not, they have not trusted in Christ. They're not following the Lord. They're not there to show him honor. They're the ones that killed him and throwed him in a rock. So the angel doesn't say to them, don't be afraid. But to the women... I know this is scary, ladies. I know. Earthquake, angel, guys on the ground. This is scary stuff. But listen, don't be afraid. And that's the first thing that I want us to notice together this morning. And that is that Easter confronts our fears. The first message from God to humans After the resurrection, the very first words that humans heard after the resurrection of Jesus, fear not. Don't be afraid. That instruction or something very similar to it appears 365 times in the Bible. How many days in a year? Usually. We've got one for every day of the year. The Bible says, don't be afraid. Fear not. And yet so many people continue to live in fear. Fear of what might happen. Fear of what somebody might find out. Fear that, that I don't know, that, that the job's not going to go right. Fear that that God's not really going to accept me. Over and over and over, Scripture says to God's people, fear not. And here the angel doesn't say anything to the men on the ground, but to the women he says, you get to fear not. You're the ones who 
trusted in Christ. You're the ones who are following Him. You're the ones who are honoring Him. Therefore, you have no reason to fear. Easter confronts our fears. Faith cancels fear. Puts us in the right place to be made new. We continue the story because I want to show you something else here in a minute along these same lines. So in verse 5 again, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. And then notice what it says. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. This was not a surprise. This was not a fluke. This was planned from the beginning, and Jesus had told them ahead of time that this would happen. They didn't completely understand it when he said it, but he said it. This is not a surprise. This was the plan. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, would die for the sins of the world, and he would come back to life that he might ascend to sit at the right hand of the Father. That was the plan from before the foundation of the world. Continuing in verse 6, it says, He's not here. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And then look at verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples. In verse 9, they meet, uh, it says, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers. So immediately after the resurrection, the women show up and they hear the angel say, don't be afraid. Then we read that as they leave, they still have fear, but now they have fear and joy. Their fear has been changed. Their fear is, what in the world is going on? They watched him die. Some of these were at his feet the moment that he died. Very well could have saw the drops of blood, certainly smelled the sweat. And most likely they were involved in after his body had been removed, they were most likely the ones involved in making sure that he was wrapped up temporarily so they knew he was dead. And now they hear this news that he's alive? Who wouldn't have a little anxiety? The angel said, fear not. And then as they leave, they still have some fear, but now their fear is filled with joy as well. And then they see Jesus. And what did Jesus say to them? Fear not. And Jesus removes all fear. When they came face to face with a 
resurrected Jesus, when they came face to face with a living Savior, he takes all fear away. Beloved, don't be afraid. The tomb is empty. That means Jesus is alive. It means that God is in control. It means he has power to bring beauty from ashes and life from death. It means that he is the one who can make all things new and we have nothing left to fear. D.L. Moody once told a story. D.L. Moody was a, a brilliant and famous pastor of years gone by. Tremendous preacher. He told a story one time about a 15-year-old girl who was very ill, seemed to be on her deathbed. This girl was completely paralyzed on one side, apparently suffering in pain, and she was losing her eyesight very quickly, was about to be blind. As she lay there in her bed, not able to get out of bed anymore, she heard the doctor tell her parents, I'm so sorry, but it looks like she has seen her best days. That 15-year-old girl quickly corrected him and said, no, doctor, my best days are yet to come when I will see my king in his beauty. We have no reason to fear because we serve a risen Savior. And one of these days, we're going to get to see him face to face. So the best response to Easter is faith. Easter confronts our fears. And because Easter confronts our fear, the best response to Easter is real faith. You ever thought about the fact that the women had a choice to make? When they got to the tomb that morning, the, the stone had been rolled away. The tomb is empty. They had a choice to make. Do I believe what the angel said and that Jesus is alive? Or do I believe somebody is messing with the tomb? Do I believe that Jesus did what he said he would do? Or will I find some other reason to explain what I'm seeing? They had a choice. And the truth of Easter is that we too have a choice. They had to choose. Would they trust in a risen Savior or would they get stuck in their fear? Would they live the rest of their lives looking backward to Friday? Or would they look at reality of Sunday and let it change them? Friends, today we have the same choice. Will we stay in our past looking backward at our losses and failures? Or will we trust a risen Savior to change us and set us free? Romans 10.9 is a favorite verse of mine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Please hear those words because there's so much misunderstanding of what it means 
to be saved or to be a real Christian or to get to go to heaven. All of that stuff gets so confusing sometimes. Friends, it really is so simple. Look at what Romans 10.9 says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you decide Jesus is my boss. That's what Lord means. You decide. Jesus is my boss, and so I'm willing to say it. And you believe in your heart that God raised, you, raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Do you see there's no room in there for any amount of certain religious activity that must be carried out in order to make sure that you're good enough? Because, friends, I'm telling you, no matter how much religious activity you're involved in, you're never going to be good enough. That's the point of the cross. You're not good enough. You can't be good enough. The way to be saved, the way to experience Jesus, the way to be, to be adopted into God's family and be right with Him is to say once and for all, I'm not good enough. I need your grace. I'm going to let Jesus be my boss, and I believe He was raised from the dead. That's how it happens. It's really that simple and yet that powerful. Our best response to Easter is faith. We've got a packed house this morning. When you came in, you found a place to sit. By show of hands, how many of you checked the pew for proper construction before you sat down? What did you do when you sat on that pew? You trusted that it was going to hold you. It's one thing for me to stand up here and say, I know those pews will hold you. There's something else for you to actually sit in one. Because if something goes wrong, it's not going to hurt me, it's going to hurt you. But when you sat on that pew, you were saying, I put my faith in this pew. It's not just an intellectual understanding that chairs are for sitting. But I'm sitting in a pew. I'm putting my faith in this piece of wood that it has been constructed correctly and will hold me. That's all we're talking about with faith in Christ. It's moving beyond the intellectual understanding that there was an historical figure who started a religion. Move way beyond that. It's not just the thinking. It is faith is putting your life in his hands. You sat on the pew. You trusted it. You put your life in Jesus' hands. You trust him with it. You say, you're my boss from now on. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. The best response to Easter is faith. Because Easter means that we can be made new. Easter means quite simply that we can be made new. God raised Jesus from the dead. Surely he can free you from your past. Somebody needs to hear that again. 
If somebody's sitting next to you and they're nodding off and you know that they've got a past, wake them up for this because somebody needs to hear this. God raised Jesus from the dead. Surely he can free you from your past. Jesus died to pay for your sins so you don't have to be separated from God anymore. Then God raised Jesus from the dead so you can have a whole new life in him. How does that work? Brother Paul explained it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ, we become a new creation. Not our same old sorry self that has a band-aid on it. We become a new creation in Christ. Where we once were spiritually dead, we are now spiritually alive. When we were once lost in sin, we are now forgiven and alive. We're a new creature in Him. Easter means we can be made new. Jesus removes the old and makes all things new. Many folks in our community have the explosion and the anniversary of the explosion on our minds because this is the 10th year and 10 just kind of a big number. And so toward the end of this week, we'll have community events. The media will be present again. It's going to kind of stir up a lot of things again as we remember what happened 10 years ago. But I hope that as that happens, we can celebrate how far we've come over those 10 years. And I also want us to celebrate how our church served our community throughout recovery. One of, just one of, the the great ways that our church was involved in helping our community was with the help of the Texas Baptist men and the generous donations of many, many people, our volunteers were able to lead the effort in demolishing the homes that had been so badly damaged. You say, well, demolition is nothing. That's nothing happy about demolition. This is supposed to be a happy day, and you're talking about tearing stuff down. Listen, when I got to move back to my house, I moved into a new home, brand new home, built in the same, with the same blueprint as my old house in the same corner so that I felt like I was going home, but it was a new home. The only way that could happen is if we got rid of the old rubble first. And because of our volunteers and Texas Baptist men and, and donations, and all, we wound up providing a, a demolition to everyone in the community, all across the board, and it cost them nothing. I want to say, Phil, 90? 60. Do you remember? 90s? With our help, and then we handed it off to the city, they took over, around 90 demolitions took place. Here's my point. None of us could have rebuilt something new until we got rid of the old rubble. Some of us are trying to follow Christ 
and we're still carrying around our old baggage. What he said is forgiven, you're still carrying guilt over. When he says you're free, you're still, you're still chained to your past, hoping nobody finds out. You, you don't yet fully understand, if you're holding on to the past, you don't yet fully understand what it means that he has made you a new creature. Because of the power of Easter, when he saved you and brought you into God's family, the old was gone. Demolition had been done. He created in you something and someone new. Since Jesus is alive, he's willing and able to take our old lives away and make new creatures. His resurrection power brings us new life as long as we trust him to do it his way.